High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Son, you gotta work late. Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime. Welcome to High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and unfortunately, we're still in senior summer school trying to graduate, trying to just get on the calendar for next fall at the cage club podcast network doing our best wish we could be on san emilio island on a beach tannin and feeling good about ourselves but instead we're stuck in here but we are watching some great movies and talking about them including today's film space camp mike manzi the new superintendent is here he's been here for a while so that should not surprise you but he's helping me push this show along and hopefully 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 Get enough done so that we, again, are on that fall schedule. You can help us out as well by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. While you're there, give us a positive review or a five-star rating if applicable. Of course, you can also listen to the show at the flagship, cageclub.me, at cageclub.me, the home of this show's archive, and so many other great pop culture podcasts, including some that Mike will plug today. Check his shows out. Check my other shows out. Check Mike and I's show, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, the Francis Ford Coppola podcast. Check it out. We just covered the entire series of The Offer on Paramount+. Plus. Listen to all those episodes and stay tuned for a Godfather episode coming in a couple weeks. Can't wait for that. But of course, we've got to talk this show, High School Slumber Party. Did you do your homework? Did you watch Space Camp? It's on YouTube. It's a Mike Mancy favorite. But also, did you listen to the last episode we put out? It was the finale for the Two Corys Season 2 lap. <laughs> Joey hates that. Series, season, whatever. And I know what you're thinking. You're still mentioning the Corys. I'm sorry. No more Corys for 2022, I promise. But check out that episode. It was really fun. Mike and I talked to three movies in a span of an hour. Don't worry. But three movies. Check that out. But let's let's pay a visit to a friend that we haven't heard from in a while. Because there's been a lot of relevant news out there to this podcast. Brian Rodriguez, the newsman himself, let's do it. Let's do another segment of high school movie news. The great Brian Rodriguez, I might add. for that lovely introduction happy to be back this is high school movie news and our first story is unfortunately a sad one and i mean that sincerely 
What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Uh-huh. Last thing I need at this point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these halls. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed. Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. That is why I have got to catch him this time. To show these kids that the example he sets is a first-class ticket to nowhere. Oh, Ed, you sounded like Dirty Harry just then. Really? Uh-huh. Edie McClurg, a legend in the genre. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Airborne, Carrie. We've talked about her a lot here. Well, unfortunately, we learned this week that first... She's suffering from dementia, and our thoughts go out to her and her family and her loved ones. Ugh, that's rough. I think we all probably know someone who suffered from dementia. It's a really, really, really tough thing to go through. I mean, I could imagine go through, but even as a family, I'm talking about more. Unfortunately, it's not the only bad part of this story. So this alleged scumbag is trying to marry her and take her money. It's really, really awful. According to our friends at TMZ, a quote-unquote long-time friend has integrated himself into her household with the intention of taking her money. It's an ugly story. I don't want to get into it further. Look it up if you, you know, want to. You should, but it's really, really terrible. But as last I've checked, a judge has okayed a restraining order on this creep. You hate to see it. Elder abuse, it's real. We need to look out for it. Once again, our thoughts are with Edie McClurg. She's a legend, but not just, you know, her legendary status. That's not only why I wanted to bring this story up and and talk about it. It's just because it's, it's awful. Once again, we need to do a better job of taking care of our elders in this country. That's for sure. I guess let's move on to some more fun news, though. Now, I'm not a big gamer, but I did play a lot of The Sims growing up. And did you guys see that new expansion pack for The Sims 4? High school years? Oh my god. And it's exactly what you think. You can relive your high school experience as Sims. It looks really, really cool. And guess what? Instead of these 300 plus episodes, we could just play that game the entire time. Should have just waited till 2022. I knew it. <laughs> well, I'm actually looking forward to playing this one. I'll let you know if I can play it. And if you play it, let us know. You know where to follow us on social media. We've already said it on the air all the time so hit us up on social media if you've played it and hit us up if you want us to do an episode on the sims for high school years i never thought about doing video games on this but maybe i should who the hell knows next up our friend joey king of the kissing booth has been talking a lot of just that the kissing booth the other day she said she was high for half the time while filming the last two installments of the series okay joey <laughs> and this is to her credit though recently in variety she said she was super proud despite what critics like me say you know what though did i like the kissing booth absolutely not but i'm really happy that she's going to bat for it we love love joey king here and i hate it when teen stars grow up a bit and suddenly they disown things that made them famous, disown those teen movies. Look, Arpats, Case Twilight. Yeah, they've been complimentary at times, but they've also sort of shit on the franchise as well. Not Joey King. 
No regrets according to her. And I love it. So you're enjoying yourself? Um, three sheets to the wind, man. I'm so happy for you. But it takes the edge off, doesn't it? So where's your little date tonight? Oh, no date. It was... It was a bathroom incident. Pardon me? Never mind. You have anything to drink? I believe the kegs are upstairs. That is what the Cretans drink. I'm talking about alcohol, liquor, the good stuff. All right. I got some scotch. Single malt? Aged 18 years. The way I like it. Our last bit of news today is one that makes me very, very happy. Jennifer Coolidge, Stifler's mom, among other things. Well, she got nominated for an Emmy the other day for White Lotus. So proud of her. Loved White Lotus. Anyway, so once again, pulled this from Variety. Yes, that Variety. The Variety that put the monsters that made us in the cultural conscience of America. They did. Well, in Variety, Jennifer Coolidge talks positively about her role in a teen film series. Of course, we're talking about the American Pie series. And yes, the role I said, Stifler's mom. She said it made her so popular that, in her words, there were so many benefits to doing that movie. I mean, there would be like 200 people that I would never have slept with. Good for her. Bravo to the OG MILF. You gotta love it. Ooh, I took some MILF. What the hell is that? M-I-L-F. Mom, I'd like to fuck. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, guys. This is Brian Rodriguez, and this has been High School Movie News. Back to you, Brian. <laughs> Thank you to Brian Rodriguez, always, always on top of it with the news. That is one talented news anchor. And, of course, he reminded me to tell you guys that you can hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at High School Slumber Party. I also have a personal Twitter, oh my Rodriguez. that is O-H-M-Y Rodriguez. Hit me up there. Happy to answer any questions or take any feedback, if you will. But okay, without further ado, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on, our space camp party on. And I was kind of surprised, but John Williams did the score for this film. So let's give it the good old John Williams treatment, and I'll see you on the other side.
Mike. I'm here to do my best to try to earn High School Slumber Party's place on the fall schedule. You are the new superintendent. You don't even need to introduce yourself, Mike Manzi. So, I mean, you can if you want. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm done doing the year in the mascot, if that's okay with you, Rodriguez. <laughs> no more year in mascot from me. If you don't know it by now, you never will. Not intentionally, but I think you've been on so many High School Slumber Party episodes in a row now just because of like, the way it worked out and all the Corey things we backloaded. With the Island episodes aside, like it's been a lot of you lately, and not in a bad way, but <laughs> you earned your superintendent status here. Oh, thank you very much. I won't <laughs> abuse the power at all. I won't be uh, Superintendent Chalmers over here. Uh, <laughs> I will try and work with you instead of against you. <laughs> so part of my penance, if you will, part of High School Slumber Party earning its way back onto the Cage Club fall schedule is doing some movies that you selected for the summer, Mike. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't... I, these are just a couple summer teen films that I wanted to get to, and I figured, you know, once in a while you do that during the summer. Like, you, you kind of stray from high school but not from teenagers and you do like beach movies or whatnot and i felt like a couple of these are are camp films as in like going to summer camp not and they're campy as well <laughs> but i thought maybe they'd be something fun to do over the summer and if all goes well uh yeah maybe you'll get tenure or something well i appreciate that i'm enjoying the idea of having a mike manzi summer it's going to be fun Part of it is releasing the episodes I haven't released. Part of it is doing these new episodes with you. And really, I just want to earn my place on the schedule. So hopefully I do that. And the first uh, thing you brought us today, Space Camp, I'll just say I was pleasantly surprised. I'd never even heard of this one. I think you might have mentioned it to me. I think one or two other guests might have mentioned this movie to me, but I really knew nothing about it. So what a delight. Well, I'm thrilled to hear that. I wasn't quite sure. This is one of those movies that might go either way. Uh, something I remember fondly as a kid, you know, as like a 10-year-old, it was like, I, I'll just say it. I had a, a crush on Leah Thompson, you know, between this, Back to the Future, and Howard the Duck. Like, I, there was no stopping it. But this was on a lot. As a kid, I remember watching this a lot. I remember enjoying it. We'll talk more about Max, but I was kind of a lot like Max, like, oh. like just with all of the Star Wars references and, and the sort of space obsession as like a young astronomer in the second grade. My second grade teacher was really into space and stuff. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk about it. I guess I was younger when this came out. I didn't see it till later, but we also have to talk about some of the kind of history behind the release of this movie when we get to it. But uh, oh, for I, sure. I was a little space-obsessed kid. I'm a space-obsessed adult now. So, Well, I appreciate that, and I was going to ask you about that. But um, just spoiler alert on the question we ask every week, who was this movie made for? This movie was not made for teenagers. This was made for like middle schoolers and people under. It has teenagers and stars teenagers, but it's definitely for that, like what you're saying, the space-obsessed 80s youth. I think it's the target yeah, yeah. demographic here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I guess kids that had Nickelodeon, you know, like that kind of like that could afford Space Camp. Like, because look, like I, I didn't know Space Camp was a real thing. Like, I thought it was kind of made up for the movie. But then I'm watching Double Dare and they're giving away trips to Space Camp. <laughs> it's true. I'm like, what? It's real? And 
then I just wanted to go even more. Never made it. Had a had a teacher that went to space camp. I was, oh. I was very jealous. Yeah. One of my first writing teachers at Ramapo, Ann Paz, she she went to space camp. I was very jealous oh, of that. Oh, I know her. I know her. We, yeah. Uh, she was on a Huffman episode. <laughs> oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So I remember sort of drilling her uh, a little bit about that experience and everything. So it's always sort of been, you know, around and, you know, rattling around my brain. Well, that's really awesome to hear, Mike. Um, you showed me that you have the VHS for this? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't know, like a few years ago, I just kind of went around trying to collect some, some, some VHS, like not a lot. I wasn't going crazy buying everything, but like, uh, the reason I actually have the space camp VHS, because at the time it was an out of print DVD and it was easier to get a VHS. Now there's a nice fine Blu-ray. There's a really good upload on YouTube at the time of this recording. Which is what I watched by the way. Which is what I also watch because that's in widescreen and, you know, the VHS is, is not. So I figured I'd go for the uncropped experience. But yeah, I, I have I have my Space Camp VHS and, and there's a little feature on the back here. There's a parent's guide, which I thought was funny Oh, because, Brian, I think, you know, who is this movie made for? I mean, yes, it's made for children, maybe not teenagers. That might be a cutoff. But, like, who is it made by? I feel like it's made by teachers. Like, this feels kind of like edutainment, one giant commercial for science. Uh, There's nothing wrong with any of that, but it just kind of dawned on me. And seeing that there's sort of a parent's guide on the back of this VHS tape from the Feature Films for Families company or whatever like is just sort of uh i don't know enlightening on some sort of level like i've just never seen anything like this before on a movie cassette tape well you know what we do every week on high school slumber party mr superintendent since you have the vhs why don't you read the back today oh don't mind if i do thank you the incredible adventure dot 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 now made even better for families There you go. (laughs) A diverse group of teenagers, each with a dream of becoming an astronaut, gathers at a summer camp to learn the workings of the NASA space program. A few days into their instruction, they and their teacher get the incredible opportunity to go aboard the Atlantis space shuttle during a 20-minute engine test. While the youngsters bask in the thrill of being within the Atlantis, it is accidentally launched and the fledgling astronauts suddenly find themselves speeding toward the weightless world of outer space in a spacecraft that is not flight ready. The group will learn the meaning of courage, trust, and teamwork as never before when they unite to survive this incredible adventure of beauty, mystery and danger love it love it that shows you again who the intended audience was families and kids but i gotta say mike i didn't want to tip my hand too much i'm not gonna say this is the greatest movie i've ever seen but i enjoyed the nostalgia and the optimism of this film it reminded me of i can't say reminded because i really wasn't conscious i was born in 87 so i wasn't really aware this was going on but i do remember the tail end of this but In the 80s and 90s, despite the disaster that we'll talk about in a few, there was such an optimism about space, right? The Cold War was Mm -hmm. coming to an end. It was a war waged a lot of it in space, not physically, but in terms of just the space race, right? Like everyone, moon landings and space launches were things that everything stopped for, that people watched live. And in the 80s, it was very clear that 
the Russian economy was tanking and that we were going in a different direction and the space shuttle was the promise of almost that war ending and a new, not war, but the next chapter being about exploration and where can we go next? And if you think about it, I what year did Kennedy make that speech? 60, 61? We get to the moon by 69? Yeah. If you're a kid in the 80s, you think that in 2022, we're not just on Mars. We're probably living on Mars at this point, and we're exploring different galaxies, right? Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. how fast it felt. And again, there was right. such an optimism with it, and it was so cool. Like That was like pretty much the highest thing you can be in this country, an astronaut, and go to space. It was not about killing like a lot of the Cold War was. It, at least the propaganda made it seem like it was about learning and exploring and seeing what that next frontier is. And again, th- that's what mm. this movie invoked in me. Nice. And I'm curious as someone who lived more through that, like what your thoughts were on, not just space camp, but overall that whole eighties, nineties space movement that existed in the U S right. Right. Well, it was strong in, in within me, like it permeated pop culture. I mean, between Star Wars and Last Starfighter and Star Trek and, you know, space camps and uh, NASA and all the shuttle footage coverage and, and all of that stuff. I mean, it, it really wasn't out of reach to think that we were going to send a kid to space soon. Like, you know, we were sending civilians, you know, and everything seemed to be going real swimmingly. And it's odd to think back now, because I was just a kid towards the end of the Cold War watching like the Berlin Wall fall and all that. I remember hearing, you know, Reagan's plans of weaponizing satellites like in, you know, 2001, A Space Odyssey, his whole Star Wars program and all that. But but once all of that Uh, threat and chatter died down it really felt like space was gonna kind of reunite the world on a level like a manifest destiny for all of us to come together and and reach these new frontiers like like star trek like for real like honestly like it seemed like that was possible and there was a real influx and focus on science i mean i mean you know i'm 42 and i remember going to school at five years old and being told to recycle and the ozone layer and all this stuff. So like it was being very heavily sort of pushed around that time and science and space uh, was no different. would go to sort of like astronomy things at night as a kid at the school. So like, yeah, like uh, I feel, I feel like it was in the culture. Definitely. Like everybody was gung ho about infinity and beyond for sure. And it was the one thing, like, looking back that, like, you felt like there could be peace with. Yeah, like, it would unite us. Like, we would have to, when we come together, to accomplish these amazing feats. Like, to go further than the moon. To to actually be born on a space station or something. Like, those were kind of, like, the ideas I was thinking about. And it was such a contrast, believe it or not, from the 60s, 70s space era, where it was about battling the Russians Again, I, I just want to bring up this like end of the Cold War thing. No one knew when exactly it was coming to an end. But in the 80s, the United States really felt like it was in the lead here. And, you know, the next chapter might be space and not necessarily space wars, but just, again, that peaceful exploration. Like, there's no, they don't battle a monster in this movie. They don't battle 
you know, anything sinister. Well, there's a robot who might be evil. That's my take. But, <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's like pure science and fun. And it's, it also has that, like, when you were a kid or when I were a kid, we were in something like Star Lab or, or, or things of that nature, right? You always get that idea of like, like you said it, what if they put a kid in space? What if a kid was in charge of this? What if a kid was in charge of that? So that's what this is. Again, is it the best movie in the world? No. But I think it's a really cute and awesome piece of nostalgia here. Now, elephant in the room. Okay. Why don't you say, Mike, what torpedo, maybe that's a bad word, but what ruined the chances of this movie becoming a hit? Because this is an underground thing because of a couple factors, a main factor. So do you, do you recall what that is? Mm-mm. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because, you know, I was a little surprised to find that you hadn't really heard of this movie because I thought you might have just known about it in conjunction with this trivia, I guess. I don't know. It's <laughs> This movie was supposed to come out much earlier in 1986, but was delayed for a couple of months because in January the space shuttle Challenger exploded 74 seconds after liftoff, claiming the lives of seven American astronauts. So kind of put a damper on the marketing and the release of this film. They weren't quite sure if people wanted to watch this so soon after seeing that. And, you know, I, I saw that live on television at school in first grade. Yeah. We, we all were gathered around. It's funny. I was just talking about this to Robin because the, I was watching Space Camp for the show. She remembers doing it too. Like we were all huddled around. We we didn't go to school together, but you know, same sort of experience. Like everybody was like brought around. They rolled the TV in and put the antennas up and plugged it in and stuff. And we all sat around to watch the space shuttle take off. Yeah. Like collective trauma uh, as a child, I guess. But that unfortunately um, was in, you know, at the same time of this movie. So I, it, it's just it's just super unfortunate because the momentum was so strong that they even were like, yeah, well, let's make a movie about, you know, let's start making more films about astronauts and becoming an astronaut and that possibility. And at the exact same time, you know, we had this tragedy and a lot of people were just very turned off and did not want to see kids in danger in space on a out-of-control shuttle so a bit of a dark cloud over this one i I suppose yeah it's a little uh jarring when you think of it that way so look apollo one fails and that's the big uh um, american space disaster up until the point of challenger but we had a run basically from apollo 2 i suppose but really you know from apollo 11 on the moon all the way through those shuttle missions where it seemed like we figured out space as a a nation (laughs) (laughs) and nothing could go wrong. They would not have had kids watch a teacher go to space. Uh, Krista Krista McAuliffe was her name. She was a teacher. Uh, They were shooting her into space, a civilian, and they had most American kids watch this on TV. Now, if they felt that there was any kind of danger, especially in that era, they wouldn't have had kids watch this live on TV. But yet, all American children, including yourself, Mike, were scarred from this and maybe people didn't you know maybe some kids didn't register it so much but uh, could you imagine being a teacher back then and having to explain that to your kids like, <laughs> yeah. yeah she died she burnt up along with the entire crew over the atlantic and 
died. Like that's so <sighs> It's chilling because later I learned that one of the teachers in our middle school, Mr. Dunn, who was a huge space enthusiast, had signed up and tried to get on that program. Wow. You know, so, like it it was like especially close to him, I I guess. And I mean, I I don't have much of a memory from what happened after i'm sure they called an assembly or everyone got to go home i don't know you know i don't know how they handled it back then because i was in first grade or so but but i definitely remember it yeah up wheeling it in and watching it and seeing it go down so yeah insanity when you think about it and so when they're making this movie they have no idea that's going to happen obviously but you're right this movie has kids in danger in space and i'm sure during the making of, it was a low-risk proposition. Yeah, especially since it seemed so impossible, right? Like, what happens to the... Well, I'm talking about in the movie, but also, I guess, in reality, too. At that point, like you were saying, like it seemed like they had it down, space travel, sort of like taking the bus. Yeah, the movie seems like, oh, we're doing these things that could never you know go wrong or happen like we'll never accidentally launch someone into space like that can never happen but then like the unimaginable does happen in real life and so it's just sort of like there's just eerie not really coincidence but vibe kind of connecting the two things and in the film it's like a similar problem to the challenger and they couldn't have known that and it's like again it doesn't blow up in the movie but But it goes out it's out of control like it goes into a spin and yeah, there's enough. There's enough kind of implied danger to be like, well, at multiple points when these kids are actually in space, they're gonna die. <laughs> you know, like they run out of oxygen. Then the teacher gets knocked out, and the kids have to land the shuttle. Then they go into like this huge spin thing, and it, you know, it's like one thing after another. They're they're constantly right there, like right at death's door. If the shuttle didn't have that disaster, it probably would have been viewed just as like a good, fun little adventure film, right? But afterwards, it has a morbid tone. Uh, we're so far removed from that disaster and the Columbia disaster <laughs> that I didn't view it in that lens. I actually didn't know that it was released around the Challenger thing. I should have known, but I watched it just with that good, clean, fun lens but I can't imagine anyone did it this time. So it's an interesting little uh, filter that we kind of have to view this film with. Yeah, yeah. And it really didn't cross my mind watching it now. I mean, I knew it's in the back of my head every time I put the movie on, but it doesn't hinder the experience of the film, really. You know, like the film has such a great kind of personality. I don't know. There's like this whimsy and wonder and sense of like, any kid has the capability to be anything you know it's so positive and so uplifting without being disgusting you know <laughs> you know what i mean like sometimes mm-hmm. things can be so nice that it's just like ugh, it's i don't believe it it's just disingenuine but it's not like this i i it feels so earnest that at no time am i like watching it going like oh right like the same year something else happened that wasn't quite so fun. I don't think people are going to sit down and watch this movie and that's going to come to mind. I think it's like a, only, when, once you watch the movie and listen to the podcast, you'll be like, well, okay. <laughs> watching it next time might... <laughs> watching it the one time after finding out might make it seem a little weird, but I think you're good 
for the log. I mean, there's enough other shit going on in this movie to be like, holy shit, like including this incredible cast. Oh yeah, that's great. Just to be like every kind of couple minutes be like what am i even watching like this is insane for sure for sure so as i mentioned it was a bomb but you know i i think like again from the people i've talked to it does have a nostalgia for some people including yourself um it was actually filmed a lot of it at actual space camp in in huntsville alabama and you said it mike space camp was a thing space camp was something that like kids aspire to go to is pretty much the best thing you can do as a kid in the eighties, like alone. Like so many people would, even when I was growing up, I remember people like, Oh, can I go to space camp? Oh, I really want to go to space camp. It was the propaganda, the American propaganda machine worked in that respect, you know, like, uh, because because it's fucking cool. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the one part, I mean, I know it's not, I know it's not military, okay? I know that. But I mean, I'm just saying, and I know it's actually, it's not even government, right? Like, it's... You know, it it is, but like... But it's not part of, like, the the military wing or anything like that. However, I feel like the propaganda for NASA is good. Like, there should be, because it's such a positive institution, right? Like, it's, it's not, like you say, starting space wars. It's trying to do the whole, you know, exploration thing, you know, and the, the unity for better tomorrow and all that. So like, there's something different about NASA in the respect of, yeah, like make space camp and that's cool. It's space propaganda as opposed to like Top Gun or something, whereas Top Gun's great, you know, but it's still like, there's this, oh, it's like join the Navy. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like how awesome the it. Navy is. Like, it's fucking awesome Navy. Like, you're a sexy, cool Navy guy. That has a little bit of, like, you could you could write about sort of that movie having a darker kind of um, agenda, maybe. And in terms of the cast, you mentioned it. You know, we have a really notable cast here. But one thing in terms of the characters is the women really shine. You know, uh, the missions end up led by... A, a teacher who's a woman, the MVP pretty much of the old program is a young woman. That's really cool to see in the 80s. Yeah, and and that was something watching the movie that never not it didn't it didn't register as like unique, you know, like it's just like, oh, okay. You know, now we look at it as like, oh, it's it's being inclusive or it's whatever, like girls are getting it done or something. But like it was just matter of fact at the time, it seems, you know, like why, why can't it be Leah Thompson instead of Tate Donovan? Right. Like why yeah, not? For sure. And uh, I guess our lead adult here is a uh, good old Cape Capshaw, right? Uh, Temple oh, of yeah. Doom. Willie. Uh, <laughs> one, one time Miss Spielberg, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Miss Miss Kate Steven Spielberg Capshaw. Yeah, there you go. But I mean, regardless, aside from her marriage to one of the greatest directors of all time, really fun actor. I liked her in Temple of Doom a lot, and I thought she did a really good job here as like the adult rock character. So I think there's a movie I mentioned on the show before when we were talking about like maybe dreams or something. But she's in a movie Dreamscape, which is really oh, yeah. great. She's in Black Rain, which is great. Apparently, she's in Scarface, but I haven't seen that in fucking forever. I don't know. It popped up under, like, movies she's in. Uh, But definitely Willie as Indiana Jones. I I also saw that. That was a big 
movie, a big rental around this time in our house. And uh, yeah, I think that is, I think that's still my, that might still be my favorite. That's like the horror one. Oh, I never realized she was like this character in Scarface. She's just like a random person uh, in like that pool scene in Scarface that I love. Oh, okay. Good to know. Um, yeah, so she plays the instructor as, you know, a, a younger astronaut who dreams of going to space and she gets keeps getting passed over by, let's be honest, like male astronauts. Mm-hmm. But she's more than qualified to go to space and she gets her chance here when the shuttle accidentally goes to space. And pretty awesome. I like, you know, this is gonna be a weird kind of connection, but it kind of reminded me of Twister, the way this movie opens, you know. Uh, or what's the other one? Maybe even contact or something like that, or something where it's like this, the child has an experience of some type that shapes their future. So like in Twister, the little girl gets caught in a Twister and she ends up chasing tornadoes. And and in this, we see her like as a little girl out on the farm, looking up at the sky at stars and stuff, talking about like, I'm going up there one day, I'm going to go up there and stuff. So it was kind of cool to have that foreshadowing yeah, um, right at the beginning there. I miss I miss stuff like that. Like I don't catch that a lot these days if it's still happening. But. No, they like consider it too cheesy these days, too corny. But I love it. You know that I yeah. love that. That that's great. Twister's a great example of that too. <laughs> that's a little scarier, but it's same sort of idea, I guess. Yeah. But um, in terms of the kids, the teenagers, if you will, you already mentioned her, Leah Thompson. Back to the Future. We'll talk about her. I'm sure. Uh, if High School Slumber Party does get renewed at some point. But, I mean, she's she's just great. She's in uh, All the Right Moves, Red Dawn. We've talked about her in that film. How about Some Kind of Wonderful, another film we have yes. to talk about here? What a legend. I think she's forgotten. I don't want to say forgotten because, like, you and I remember her. But when people mm-hmm. think of, like, those classic 80s teen stars she's got to be up there as one of the bigger ones oh did you say red dawn i don't red know dawn, yeah, said, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah uh jaws 3d go oh. listen to that episode on third times a charm but i mean for me the big one it's just crazy has always been howard the duck oh. like uh a hundred times over i am so thankful that she's involved in that movie oh she played cage's wife in left behind the remake in 2014 i know uh she's done a ton of directing recently like over the last decade or so lots of tv all kinds of stuff all kinds of like superhero things non-superheroes i think she's directing star girl right now uh on hbo max or something so Still active, not not as active, I guess, in front of the screen, but definitely still doing stuff, you know, behind the camera. Yeah, no, and again, just a legend on and off camera. Um, Howard the Duck is funny. You mentioned that that I was petrified of that movie as a child. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> uh, my aunts used to just be like Howard, and I. Used to oh, is it kind of like Kyle with Pazuzu? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I'm not still afraid of Howard the Duck, to be clear. But so, were you afraid of Howard or the Dark Overlord or just the whole general? Tone I can tell you, <laughs> it was the tone and the idea that this duck was seamlessly integrating with a human. You know, like that. Yeah. Left with my yeah. mind. You know, everyone was like Tim Robbins was like, "Yeah, Howard's just a duck," or you know, because Tim Robbins is in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's like big in that movie. 
<laughs> so crazy to think that Tim Robbins, like one of his first movies, was acting opposite a fucking talking duck. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Tate Donovan plays like our lead dude here. Right. He's in a ton of stuff. I mean, I think a lot of people know him as uh, Jimmy Cooper in the OC. He, he's big in that. Like as an adult, he had a good guest run on Friends. Ooh, okay. He was always, I mean, he still obviously acts, but he was always one of these people just like floating in a bunch of product, projects his whole life. Where do you know Tate Donovan from? Uh, this pretty much love potion number nine maybe after that with sandy bullock like the the two of them play scientists that create a love potion uh it's sort of like a funny doctor funny sexy jekyll and hyde thing where they're like big dorks and then they take the love potion and the first person they talk to falls in love with them situation and it runs out i think in 24 hours Uh, but yeah i think like he almost ended up becoming like a teenage version or like a younger version of like a character actor for some reason when i think of character actors i think of just like older people people like you know but like there's also got to be like younger character actors too in there somewhere and he kind of strikes me as that type of actor yeah yeah i could definitely see that i know um when he was on friends in I think '98, he was also dating Jennifer Aniston in the t- at the time, oh. so it was like a really popular tabloid thing. He's also the voice of Disney's Hercules, if you're familiar oh. with, with that animated film. So he's had a good career, and I, I thought he did a really cool job in this. Yeah, he does a good job of being kind of a likable douche, right? Like he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't push it too far. You know, he does harmless pranks, and he also sort of looks out for young Max at times, right? Like, it just seems like he's sensitive, right? Like, he's not just a jerk-off. Like, he's actually sensitive, like, normal, normal-ish type person who realizes he's a jerk, doesn't just go around doing jerk-off things without, like, you know, realizing, like, he did something bad. So, see, he was good at, at sort of walking that line where it's like, ah, like, to hang out with this guy, he could be, he, he might be a bit much, but, like, in a pinch, you know, he'd probably stand up for you. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, that's oh, weird. dude, I just saw that he was born in Tenafly, New Jersey. Oh, so. I didn't know that. Jersey boy. That's cool. Nice. <laughs> um, a couple of other people I want to mention in the cast and really big names. But before the big names, how about uh, Larry B. Scott? Um, he played Rudy. Oh, yeah. Had you seen him in other things? Because I know you have. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's his name in Revenge of the Nerds? Lavar? Is it Lavar? Lamar. Lamar Luttrell from Revenge yes. of the Nerds 1 and 2. Definitely. Yeah. He's great in that, but I, I recently saw a meme with him, so I was so excited to see him in this movie because I don't know if you're aware, but we covered this movie on High School Slumber Party. He's in Karate Kid as one of the people that uh, Ralph Macchio fights in the tournament. Get and, out of here, really? And, and, and the meme oh was God, like... That's right. He looks so badass, too. <laughs> and the meme is like, I can't believe Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds was also in Karate Kid. And you're like, what? And it's true. So he's done, he's done a ton of stuff. A lot of TV, a lot of movies. Uh, Iron Eagle. He was in the oh, head. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big 80s staple. Totally, yeah. Fits right in here, too. Sort of like the motor mouth or like... A lot of nervous energy and plays that real well. For sure, for sure. So uh, two other people I really want to mention, and maybe you have some others, I'm not sure, but Mm -hmm. uh, Kelly Preston as Tish. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm a big Kelly Preston fan. I mean, I've loved her performances, but this character, Mike, was one of my favorite characters because she was like this. She's described as a valley girl. Like she's supposed to be like a ditz, but she's really, really smart. It's played sometimes ironically, but also it's played. How can I put it? To me, it showed like, yeah, it doesn't matter really how you talk. She qualified enough to go to space camp. She's really, really intelligent. Respect her because almost all Valiers in the 80s were played as like dumb ditzes. So it was cool to see that she wasn't that. Uh, that That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was just thinking like, you know, yeah, you don't judge a book by its cover, right? Because she shows up and she looks like Madonna, basically. Mm-hmm. And everyone's kind of like what's your story? And then she's just kind of like rifling off these facts, just like out of nowhere, she's answering these questions like offhand that she's overhearing and stuff. It's just like, yeah, like I remember everything I read. She's like, but it kind of a drag sometimes, you know, (laughs) like I have to remember everything. Uh, So, but like, yeah, I really like that twist on the Valley girl. I think the point they're trying to make, right, is that like, she's not just good looking, you know, it's like, then like, this goes for a lot of people, like, don't, like, a lot of people out there, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. They could look however they look, but, you know, accept them once, you know, once you talk to them, then you know, decide if you want to be their friend or not. (laughs) Yes, as Martin Luther King says, the content of their character. And she... Yeah, she really rises to the occasion in a lot of moments here. I love the look on Leah Thompson's face when she finds out what she got. She got like perfect SATs and Leah Thompson like makes this face like almost like Rue makes in Euphoria when she's (laughs) too high. You know, she makes like that look. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really on point. You know, that Kevin is a real babe. He's a jerk. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Completely unserious. Did you check out the size of his hands? <laughs> Earth to Catherine, come in, please. What are you doing? I'm trying to figure out how to run this thing. What, multi axis trainer? Mm hmm. One of the toughest parts of the training. Scary for a pilot. You know anything about it? Three concentric circles spinning in different directions simultaneously. Object to stabilize from central point, utilizing hand controls. You want a piece? How'd you know all that? I remember everything I read. It's a real drag sometimes. My mind gets totally cluttered. What'd you get on your SATs? 800s. Do you ever, like, talk about anything aside from learning things? I know, Lily. You know, you're real pretty. Kind of understated. But you got great eyes. You know, I could do this great makeup job on you. Guys go for eyes. Kind of. (laughs) Guys go for what I haven't got. Oh, by the way, like, I love how Leah Thompson, a beautiful, beautiful young lady in this film, is like, oh, she's the, not ugly one, but like, she's the nerdy one. Like, she's also beautiful, but. I know. Yeah. Homely. Tish is like, we could, she's all that, yeah. You know, you just a little eyeshadow, a little this, a little that. I'm like, you guys are nuts. (laughs) (laughs) But regardless, it it is one of the, it's exactly what you're saying. Don't judge a book by its cover. She ends up being like just as smart as any character 
in the film. She also just happens to be, again, a valley girl. So there's nothing wrong with that. But of course, I don't want to bury the lead here. In his first role ever, Leaf Phoenix, a.k.a. the Academy Award winner, who would be known in later years as Joaquin Phoenix, as Max, as a child, as your spirit animal in the film, Mike. <laughs> what do you think of Joaquin Phoenix in this movie? I mean, we've come a long way. <laughs> um, you know, this is so true. This is a true thing. So growing up, like, I wasn't tracking Leaf Phoenix's career or any child actor for that matter, right? So when he reemerges as Joaquin Phoenix, I think I, you know, what, Gladiator or something, he's, he, like, starts making noise again. I'm not connecting that to this movie whatsoever like i'm thinking of river phoenix you know i'm thinking like oh it's an acting dynasty family i didn't had no clue he was a child actor and then you know somewhere in the 2000 early 2000s maybe maybe late right before the 2010s or whatever come around i put i put on space camp i'm like i should revisit space camp again one time and i'm watching it and i'm go that little kid looks really fucking familiar like what the fuck is going on and then you know i see like the little scar over his mouth and i'm like no way so i run to the computer and i go on imdb and i'm like who the fuck is leaf phoenix is there another acting kid in the family and like no a little more digging and i find out it's it's joaquin and that you know that is not something i knew the whole time and that was something that blew my mind about this movie later in life and then i just you know reappreciated it on an entirely new level wow that's really really cool i mean i i think you might have mentioned that he was in it so i kind of knew going in but what a cool performance you could already tell how talented he is as a child um yeah great seeing him here and that really rounds out like our main cast here uh there's a voice actor Frank Welker, who plays the robot Jinx. I got my opinions on Jinx. <laughs> but he, he's, Jinx. Like, he's a Hanna-Barbera uh, legend, if you want to look mm-hmm. look him up. He's a really, really great voice actor. Yeah, I definitely you know recognize that voice from other stuff. Like, I, I think that was one of his recycled voices, perhaps. But uh, yeah, yeah, I give it. A, I give Joaquin tons of credit as a little kid to be acting for, the, for half this movie opposite a droid basically like that must have been awesome you know like for that like it just feels like for a little kid to be acting in a space camp movie is like such wish fulfillment for that age you know it's like i get to go to space camp and make a movie about it that seems really pretty awesome and he has a really like high iq that's why he's there but we're mostly yeah we mostly have teen characters here so he's sort of the odd person out on the shuttle um it's interesting but he does a great job he holds his own yeah, there's a nice sort of balance with his character again of at times he does have to kind of act older than his age and he's able to do it sometimes and not other like there's times when they're in space and he's like, ah, I don't know how to like use the toilet in space. Can someone help me? You know, but then there's other times where it's like, I got to kind of like, I got to, I got to suck it up and do what an adult would do or someone, you know they're treating me like you know someone older than my age like i gotta act older than my age and he's able the character at times is able to do that so that that was good i mean he's still he's still a kid that makes mistakes but he also like kind of owns up to his intelligence at times 
Well, he's also led astray by an evil robot in Jinx. I don't know. I know he's not supposed to be evil, but he's the one who creates this mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm i not, uh, not going to argue that with you. Jinx kind of always rubbed me a little bit of the wrong way. Maybe it was the voice. Maybe it's the design of Jinx. Uh, but yeah, like... He takes everything so literal, you know? Um, maybe that's the issue with artificial intelligence, is <laughs> <laughs> at, especially in 86, it lacked a lot of, like, subtlety and things. But, yeah, no, I mean, he's the main catalyst for them to be uh, lost in space, basically. I don't know why a robot with such high intelligence would be kept in the uh, cabins, essentially, with the campers right like oh well i i think he i think he like stole it or like was sneaking it into the barracks or something but yeah nevertheless why is this multi-million dollar piece of equipment just at space camp like (laughs) what why isn't it actually at like cape canaveral doing stuff or on the shuttle at all times or whatever. Like this thing, <laughs> this thing should be under lock and key at the Pentagon or something. Like this Already like, in space building, you know, the next <laughs> satellite or something. And it's funny because this movie is, besides the fact that they go up into space, it's pretty grounded in reality. There's no like sci-fi technology, if you will, except this right. robot. This robot is like 200 years in the future, <laughs> like in terms of advancement <laughs> with the rest of the technology. Oh, yeah, I blame that entirely on Star Wars being huge with kids and R two D two. This is this thing is sort of like an R two three PO, right? Like it's like this weird amalgamation of R two D two and C three PO, where it's like the annoying C three PO and like the adorable R two D two, and it's just this like horrible atrocity. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> some kind of like terrible wuzzle that like went wrong. <laughs> Well, Mike, are there any scenes you really want to hit on in this film? The floor is yours because this is more of a nostalgia piece for you. So what scenes do you want to talk about today? Well, if I may, real quick, there's actually just there's one more cast member, I think, that deserves a shout out. And that's Tom Skerritt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned it's funny. I mentioned Top Gun earlier. He was in Top Gun. But, you know, of all the space movies, Alien. You know, he, he's an alien. I meant, did I, I might have mentioned contact earlier too. He's in that. I love that this guy also seems to be very like into space. I guess I, he didn't make many more sci fi films, but you know, he made some really good ones. And uh, yeah, I just feel like he deserved a, a shout out. He is Kate Capshaw's husband, right? If I'm not mistaken, their oh, husband and wife. I didn't catch in the, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, they're husband and wife, or they might be separated, but like they're both Bergstrom. So, oh yeah. yeah, I just knew they were like colleagues in the space program. He's been to space, and he's the yeah. leader of Space Camp because he's like the one who actually has experience. <laughs> it's so funny. Like he does seem to be head counselor, which feels like an honor. Yet was that given to him because he went to space? It's like congratulations, you you've went to space. 
now you run space camp like it felt like a constellation prize or something i don't know whatever the case may be well i think kate capshaw has the right idea with that she's like oh man i didn't become an astronaut and he's like well you get to work at space camp with me and she doesn't seem that thrilled and i think that's pretty accurate to what a real astronaut would feel like <laughs> but he does seem thrilled like he, he wasn't yeah, kidding he's like, yeah. he, he's like you get to be at space camp with me and she's like great <laughs> all right mike's Favorite moments, favorite scenes, things that really like sparked you uh, from your original memory, things that this time you didn't maybe realize. What are the scenes that would draw people into watching Space Camp? Oh, wow. That's that's big. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it's really hard to pick out these moments. They all sort of seem very all very necessary at the time. Okay, I got, I got a good one. There's a good moment when... Um, when Rudy and Kevin are kind of getting to know each other and they're walking around the pavilion and they're talking to each other and Rudy's like, I want to be the first guy to open up a fast food restaurant in space. <laughs> I like that. I thought that was cool when I was a kid. That was adorable. Uh, I like all the training stuff that they have to put the kids through and they, they go in that thing that spins them in rings and everything. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just think the whole movie is fun. Like, I think I just think it's fun to be walking around space camp and learning stuff about what astronauts do, you know, cause all the time they're walking around, like Kate Capshaw is like rifling off facts and things. And like, you know, this, this, has, this, those, this fast, and this needs this much pressure and this can withstand like this speed and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just kind of sitting there going like, this is so pleasant. Um, this is just like such a nice watch. Even when kids are in danger, like, you know, they launch and like Catherine's not even buckled in. Imagine having to like, go to space and not even be in your chair like that that feels like it should be terrifying but i'm watching it and it seems like they're on a roller coaster or something you know there's like that level of danger is like the quality of the of how they're filming it here so it's always just like a nice fun light-hearted experience even when uh, danger's on the rise now i do have one <laughs> there is one glaring problem with this film and i always forget about it but it always like hits me at the end. And that is that this movie just kind of ends without like wrapping up. I like, thought you liked yeah, that in movies. I generally do. Okay. Generally I do, but this left a little too much kind of like hanging. So they land the plane back on earth. And as it's landing, like we cut the credits. Like I at least wanted to see them get out of the shuttle maybe or like back at space camp graduating disassembling the robot forever and burying the pieces <laughs> or something you know it just felt like wait a minute there's there seems to be just like a little more to wrap up here like hugs and kisses or you know uh call their parents like we got them back i don't know it it, it just felt a little too abrupt if you could imagine brian if you ever thought you'd ever hear me say that um it's a little too much of a good thing mike i'm with you in that i thought it was way too abrupt first of all and just overall the pacing of the film i don't know if i like it or don't like it but if you like clock it it's 147 sorry an hour and 47 minutes and it's like maybe close to an hour until they actually get to space. So the first half of this feels like just an instructional video 
for Space Camp. And not in a bad way, because again, Space Camp is awesome. So you're right. Like, it's fun to see what they do. And I feel like they had to add some kind of drama. So the original script apparently called for them to be rescued by Russian children who were on a similar mission who realize kind of what's going on and they sort of launch a mission and save their American counterparts. And it's supposed to be kind of like a, if I can change and you can change and we can change sort of like a (laughs) moment. But that was next for this sort of abbreviated ending here, which is interesting. Wow. That's, that's pretty crazy. That might account for why they never kind of wrote another ending or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, Oh, let's like, let's just cut our losses and, let them leave the theater. Um, but that, yeah, that, that did cross my mind because, you know, not just Rocky four, but like Superman four quest for peace. Like he rescues Russian cosmonauts in the opening of that movie, you know? And it's like, Hey, is the Superman is here to rescue us. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, vodka and all this stuff. Um, Kremlin. So yeah, that, that is also very much in the air. I could have seen that. I mean, it would have been a big to do, you know, like you say, like it takes them an hour to get to space and then they're going to just rush to like, oh, and by the way, like Russian space camp has caught wind of what's happening. And they're also like doing a launch test and they have a crazy robot, too, that I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like a bridge too far. I guess. Well, well, another thing I read, and again, I don't know if it's true. These are just loose Internet facts is that after the Challenger thing they re-edited the movie to make it more of a thriller. But the uh, the original cut was more Space mm. Camp fun. And then the, the ending shuttle scene was more like the th- a third act thing. Does that make sense? You know, like it's like yeah. two acts at Space Camp, third act where an actual emergency happens. And, I, and they definitely pivoted more to again, at least half the film being that. So uh, I wonder if that also accounts for... The interesting pacing. Yeah, that's weird that, you know, they shifted gears to make it more kind of scary, I guess. I don't know what other word to use, like another word, like danger, you know what I'm saying? To make it more thrilling or something where, like, it seems like they'd want to go softer, if anything, with the recut. You know, take take out some of the uh, danger and, and threat at this time. So that's, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, that would definitely, you know, all that tinkering and stuff would mess with the pacing. I think just seeing it so young and not understanding a lot of that stuff about movies at the time, when you watch a movie again as an adult, you notice it, but it just doesn't register and bother you as hard, you know, if at all, I feel. And so while I understood, like, yeah, I thought we'd be in space by now, Um <laughs> It, it didn't really, you know, I didn't really care so much because, like, I just, yeah, I have, I guess, such an affinity for the film in and of itself. Yeah, it didn't bother me either because I actually was enjoying the space camp part. I wasn't like, let's get on with it. Like, I thought it was fun. It helps, too. Yeah. And as someone who watches high school films, I actually was enjoying the romance teen dynamic here. It was like they were in school, right? So, like, I wasn't bothered by it. Yeah. And not not just sort of the, like, the romance angle, but also you have sort of the demanding teacher, right? And her relationship with the student she kind of pushes the hardest and sees the most in. Like, there's that whole dynamic going on, which is cool. Uh, the stuff with Max almost being like a kid who skipped a few grades. Like, that's really nice to have in there. Yeah, just uh, I think, uh, what was it, like, 
Catherine and Kevin also sort of doing a bit of that, you know, girls can do what boys can do kind of thing. Like they get into it a little where I feel like Kevin is a little like, you know, he's like, oh, like, uh, I don't feel so useful or something. And like, that's interesting to watch uh, at times, like in movies around this time as, as well to be like, oh, well, he's he's painted as like the guy who could like do everything without a care. And then yet like he finds himself in situations where he doesn't know what to do or like he has to ask for help and stuff. And so that that's a nice kind of development stuff. Yeah, I agree. There was a quote I wrote down that uh, Leah Thompson says that I'm like, you know what? That's so true. And it's applicable to, I think, all of us. She goes, you know, because again, the Tate Donovan character, he he has just like that FU mindset. I'll say the quote and then I have some questions about him. But the quote, she says, it's easier to say you don't care than it is to try and fail. You know, and yeah, I think a lot of people's attitudes, including my own at certain points, you know, yeah. It's like you don't care out of almost cowardice rather than, you know, being cool or whatever. Yeah. And and fear, right? Like fear is the mind killer, right? Like that's to me where it all boils down to. Like that, I think, is why most people don't do things in general, like what they want to do or have to do. I mean, that that is a that is a good quote. That's a yearbook quote for sure. I'm sure that was Catherine's yearbook quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. What's the Tate Donovan character's name again? Kevin. Kevin. What's the deal with him at the beginning? Like, is he not in space camp? Did he just show up? Like, okay. She reads a Japanese <laughs> name and he's like, no, my name's actually whatever. She's like, okay, now you're the leader. Like what? Hideo Takamini. Hideo Takamini? Right here. Hideo Takamini? Well, actually, it's pronounced Kevin Donaldson. I don't have a Donaldson. Well, I have one now. Uh, I'm Catherine Fairley, and it's not an image. Sorry. Okay. Okay, I have two positions left, pilot and shuttle commander. Kevin, why don't you tell me why you'd like to be shuttle commander? Oh, Gordon, no. Actually, I was thinking more along the lines of mission regent or um, sovereign, maybe. Something like that. Mm. Catherine, what about you? I know a lot about the space program, and I'm going into the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. And I want to be the first female shuttle commander. You think that's more important than pilot? Oh, yeah. It's okay. Uh, no matter how, because I, I, don't, I don't really care. Really? Yeah. Well, now that you're shuttle commander, you're going to have to start to care, aren't you, Kevin? Just Catherine, you can be pilot. But... Pilot. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of just the sort of um, writing... I don't necessarily say problems, it's just conveniences, but also there is a little confusion going on. And I remember, you know, first couple of times I saw this movie as a kid, I was like, yeah, is this kid actually enrolled in space camp? Because he rolls up and he, Tom Skerritt's like, you're in my parking space, right? And he's like in a Jeep and he's like, do you, he's like, are you here for space camp? He's like, my dad 
wants me to go to space camp, but I wanted a Jeep or something or whatever the case may be. I think like his parents signed him up for space camp and said, if you go to space camp, we'll give you a Jeep. Uh, So he shows up and then he sees Leah Thompson because she arrives at space camp by flying her own fucking biplane. She lands a crop duster in the goddamn parking lot of space camp and my heart just fucking leaps out of its chest, you know? And so does Tate Donovan's character. Uh, and he's like, I got to know this woman. Like, who is this incredible person? Uh, clearly. And so when he's checking out where he's supposed to be, what group he's supposed to be in space camp, it, he hears like all the names oh. being called and he sees her pick up a certain color like name tag and he picks his up and it's like a red one. And I think hers is yellow. And so he goes over and he takes the one of the ones from her group and it turns out to be, I guess, like, yeah, like she reads an Asian name off of the list. And he's like, actually, it's not that. It's Kevin. And apparently she's like, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, I don't. Kate Capshaw's like so over. Like, I don't want to be here. I, I want to be on the moon right now. <laughs> like, I, let's just get on with this. You know, I've got the right number of kids. That's all she cares about. Oh, OK. I didn't pick that up, but that makes more sense. All right. So that is clarified. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, I, again, I like their little romance. I like how he's not, he's a hero in this, but it, she definitely, to me, gets more shine. So, I don't know. I had positive thoughts overall about Space Camp. Weird ending. not Maybe not weird enough, just like abrupt ending. Yeah. But overall fun. Like, if we're going to talk summer camp movies, and I think we'll talk about a couple of them. This is a this is an ideal '80s summer camp. So, Mike, anything else you want to say about Space Camp? No, just I'm very glad that I had the opportunity to talk about it more and spread the word. And I'm glad that you got to see it and that you enjoyed it. It can be a coin flip, right? Like we always kind of talk about going back, and you know, should you just let sleeping dogs lie, and is it better to just live in your memory of the way things were as opposed to like dig a dig it up and see how how terrible reality actually is you know and like i like the line from the offer like i still think about that all the time what charlie bluedorn's character said whereas like you know we rewrite the history to deal with the trauma of it right so like we change it to deal with it or or to understand it or to interpret it through our own eyes in certain ways and stuff but like anyway i'm digressing now watch space camp hopefully you watched it before listening to this but spread the word yeah and I don't think Space Camp is still around, is it? I don't know. I didn't check, but if it isn't, it should be. Bring back Space Camp. Hashtag Space Camp forever. I'm not sure if it is or not, but it definitely doesn't have the lore it did when we were kids. So bring back the magic of Space Camp at the very least. Yes. <laughs> All right, Mike. I don't know if you forgot about this because we haven't recorded High School Slumber Party in a while, but we oh, got to go with our awards here. Oh, I thought you were talking about the uh, video store because I haven't picked any movies oh, tonight. we'll get there. But first, we kind of oh, talked about this, but who was this movie made for? I mean, right off the bat, again, I think it's kids just like you, uh, younger folks of the 80s who get excited about something like Space Camp, right? Oh, absolutely. Most definitely. Little, little kids that are in wonder of stars and planets and love star wars and you know i mean (laughs) honestly like brian like i feel like star wars was a better commercial than space camp for nasa (laughs) at times you know uh 
yeah, I, I just kid, kids in the 80s, man. I mean, we couldn't get enough of it. I feel like uh, the character of Max, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, is more the demographic than the teenagers in the film. Probably. You know what? Also, like Max, too, I was always trying to hang out with my older brother and his mm. friends. And so, so, like, yeah, it's sort of that someone who had older brothers and so I wasn't just trying to hang out with the older kids in the neighborhood or in school or anything like that. But that is sort of like a fantasy when you're younger is like, Oh, the older, cooler kids, you know, I want to fit in with them. I want to, you know, I want to learn from them or something. So I could relate to that too. All right. Next question we ask most likely to succeed, which character won the movie? Oh man. I am, I am torn between like three characters you know kate capshaw character because she went to she went to space right like she finally got to go and be an actual astronaut max because he got to go to space and be an astronaut or leah thompson because she got to like land the damn shuttle uh it's that's a hard it's a hard one i think i'll go with max right i think the movie is saying that like you're watching it through his eyes i feel like the the young wonder of this child the childlike wonder of max and his exposure to the cold vacuum of space i'm gonna go with leah thompson though because i think that (laughs) he actually landed the freaking thing and um i think she proved herself that she could be one day the first uh, woman shuttle commander, though, Kate Capshaw. I think she might qualify here because she was actually the commander of the ship. It might not have been official, but, you know, it's debatable here is my point. I want to change my answer to Kate Capshaw because the movie starts with her saying, I'm going up there one day, and then it smash cuts to her as an adult, which is, that is a great, use of film language right there like it's a little girl saying i'm going up there and then an and then an adult woman saying i can't believe i'm not going up there like you know exactly who this person is you can feel her history already i want to change my answer because she got to go up there she got to get the space all right so i love it I'm going uh, with her i like that answer wooderson award is there a character in the film you would have liked to have seen more of hmm maybe Mm, I don't know. Maybe like a rival group of space camp teens, not necessarily like evil ones, but just ones that are also always like waiting in line after them or getting out of the simulator before them. And they always keep bumping into them. And it's sort of like that, like mirror, mirror version of their team, you know, Uh, because at one point when they're doing the rocket test and they get to sit in the shuttle, there is another group of kids from space camp, like kind of, chilling out at mission yeah. control with terry o'quinn so that would have been interesting but i don't know i feel like everybody is pretty well served for their purpose in the film mm, uh, i don't know i guess i'll give it to travolta's wife just because like we could have thought of maybe one more thing for her to do in space except for morris code over and over again like she kind of gets stuck doing morris code i'd rather maybe they gave her even though she figured out like hey we can do morris code and communicate with them i almost wish she just told rudy to like do this over and over again while she went and like figured something else out but tough tough question to answer long duck dong award is there characters whose omission you think would make the film better 
I don't I don't think we got one here, right? Like really tight cast. Yeah, it's hard to say. Maybe the robot, but I don't know. How'd you know about Max, James? James and Max friends forever. Jesus Christ. Get that thing out of here. Get secure. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe you can help us, unless you got a better idea. Yo! Max! Wait a minute! Jinx, how can you help NASA? Take it out of here. Get it out. Oh, you know what's really funny about the robot is he goes to kind of the central intelligent robot like what's his name jinx jinx is like portable like he has wheels so he wheels around space camp but then at one point he goes to some terminal and he talks to like another robot that is like you know can't move around he's like trapped in the screen and stuff and it's got like a really demonic voice going on and everything like that was just very awkward i just forgot to mention it earlier (laughs) yeah that that evil robot yeah 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 because he's like musk get Max to space, and the other robot's like, there's a mission launch, it's coming up, do you want to shoot him into space? You know what it reminded me of, Mike? Back to Star Wars, but like, whenever C-3PO and R2 are with other droids, like, you get a little bit of that scene in A New Hope, or whatever you want to call it, like, Star Wars itself, but also when they're, like, in Cloud City in that robot room, and they're just like, oh yeah, the other robots are like, back talking them and stuff and like yeah that's what it really felt like <laughs> that's so true yeah when when 3po is in cloud city and he's like oh look like another one of me and the and and it's basically droid for like go fuck yourself you know yeah, like so that rude, is the energy you know? <laughs> that is the energy that droid is giving off it's just like get the fuck out of my way you idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what that felt like here so uh, i don't know <laughs> um cameron fry award did any of the teens look too old to be teenagers? Uh, mm, I, I mean, like, maybe Tate Donovan, but, like, also probably not. It's just it's just my inability to tell, like, how old teenagers look these days. Yeah. In those days. And then back then, everyone looked older, too, even teenagers. But Leah Thompson looked really young, like, younger than she does in – you know, Back to the Future or Jaws 3, which I think are the only two movies that are out by now. I think Howard came out after this, but I'm not positive. Yeah, no, they were pretty good at uh, casting realistic teens here. So I'm with, especially because like a lot of the characters, we would go on to see them as adults, the actors, I mean, and they Mm -hmm. do look different from their adult form, if you will. So uh, yeah, I don't have an answer for this one. All right, Mike. One of the hardest questions I ask on High School Slumber Party, report card grades. Of course, we grade A plus to F here on High School Slumber Party, like a good old high school report card would do. Uh, But before that, let's get our cheat sheet out. Let's see what other people thought of this film. Rotten Tomatoes, 46% by the critics, 
50% by the audience. It's a polarizing film then. The Nerds at Letterboxd. Not a good grade here either. 2.8. So not the worst grade, but not in that three sweet spot. Almost there. But Mike, let's throw it out. What will you grade Space Camp? Uh, funny enough, Brian, I noticed when I rated this on Letterboxd, I took off half a star for some reason. I don't, I don't know what that is. Maybe I watched it too soon since the last time. I've been watching it too much. But I don't want that to seem like that's a hindrance or anything. It's still three stars. It's still great. Uh, you know, that's above my average that I give for like, you know, if I think a movie's just like, yeah, I'll give it two and a half, you know, that's right in the middle. But three's still good. I mean, I would even probably, after talking about it, it I get more jazzed up about it. I'll go give that half a star back. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... Like I strain to give this like an A, right? <laughs> just, just, just because of like quality control. Okay, like there's just some things production wise and script wise and things like that that just are, you know, frankly, even for the time, not up to a certain standard and snuff, if you will, for like that other movies were just coming out with. Um, so I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna give it a B plus tonight. I'm going to give it a real good, big, wow. fat B, B plus. Even though I love the movie, but I got to be, you know, you know, I'm superintendent. I really got to be more stingy. I got to <laughs> take this a little more seriously. So, like, you really got to be, up, like, really perfect to get that A in these days. So, I gave the film a B minus. Um, I was teetering on C plus, B minus, but this is just good, clean fun. So B minus here. And I think overall we have some really positive feelings about this one. And I hope hope the slumberers out there have positive feelings about this film too. Quickly, I forgot to mention the director, Harry Weiner. Had you heard of this guy? It didn't seem like I was familiar with too much of his work. No, from what I understand, I'm not familiar with this guy. Yeah, so Harry Weiner, if you're out there, shout out to you. But yeah, I don't really know anything about you <laughs> okay a couple other fun questions now now that we got the hard question out of our way uh first one of course is the sleeping bag question if this is this is a good one but mike if you and i are at our slumber party and we have space camp themed sleeping bags what does your sleeping bag look like i mean it looks like a space shuttle like it is just this this long white sleeping bag with like maybe flaps for like the wings can be like you can't put your feet in them but like they just kind of extend on the sides and it's got all like uh the uh the nasa logo on it and the rivets are drawn on and all that and it just looks like i'm 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 sleeping in a space shuttle. I'm like, I'm in the cargo bay. <laughs> well, for one, I know we're both in the jumpsuits, the NASA jumpsuits that they, <laughs> they advertise here very well. But my sleeping bag is going to be very simple. It's going to be made. Remember that space blanket material that like. Oh, yeah. That, like, yeah. Shiny. Stuff. Yeah. Stuff. That's what it's going to be. You know, because growing up like space blankets and space ice cream, all that stuff was so cool. So. So, yeah, I like your shuttle idea, but mine just really practical, really simple. The good old shiny space blanket. Mike, I hope you've had time to think of this question. It's been a while that I've asked you. You and I were in the magical blockbuster that exists truly today in space and time and (laughs) between logic and understanding. It has every movie that has ever existed up until this second we know we are renting space camp 
for this slumber party. But Mike, when we get to the counter, we see a sign that says rent two movies, get one free. And I say, Mike, go to the back, get two other movies. Let's make a night of it. What two other movies would you recommend with Space Camp? Okay. So I I got two. Two movies I think would, would work well with Space Camp because like Space Camp, I feel they are sort of preying on the same audience you know kids that love star wars and wish that would happen to them one day you know it's it's like the uh peter quill syndrome right like i just want to get abducted by space pirates and live in <laughs> space one day like uh call me star lord so the the first movie which man i haven't seen this movie in forever but uh, it's on disney plus so if you have that you can watch it now it's from the same year Stop me if you heard of this one, Flight of the Navigator. Ooh, I had a feeling you were going to pick that one. Yeah, I haven't seen this in forever, but like a uh, little kid, uh, he like finds a spaceship or an experimental ship and, and winds up in the future. And that, I think, is one of the first kind of like times I saw time travel as a kid, maybe. Back to the Future, he went back in time. In this, he goes like a couple years forward in time, and he's got to like find his way back home. So... Really fun movie. Sarah Jessica Parker's in there, apparently. Yeah. Paul Rubens as the voice of the like AI that runs the ship. Yeah, so that that's a good fun one. That's that's my first one. Nice. I love it. I was hoping you'd pick that one. Okay. So up next, there's only really one other movie that comes to mind around this time. It stars none other than River Phoenix. Oh. Alongside Ethan Hawke from the year before. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I knew you were going to pick this one, too, because you've, you, you've recommended it. I forgot the name. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> it is called Simply Explorer. Yes. This was all, I mean, I remember watching this a lot. It's like, this was a lot of fun. Uh, three best friends. I guess you could say they get abducted by aliens. I don't know. They go on like a weird cosmic adventure with these really cool looking alien puppets. I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Henson's workshop was somehow involved uh, in some of this design work. But uh, another just great, whimsical, preteen, you know, space adventure. Uh, it's it's on stars. If you got a star subscription, you can check that out now. I think Hulu and such. So it's out there too as well. You can watch those two movies you can watch all three of these movies in a row this week so those are my picks that's awesome like those are great picks really on brand so i have two other picks i wrote a list down today and i was like whatever mike doesn't pick i'm, I'm gonna pick these so <laughs> love just the idea of that 80s space tale so the first film i'm gonna pick is a film i've never seen but i wanted to see and it's actually on the list because the main character is supposedly a teenager. 1984 is The Last Starfighter. Have you seen this one? Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Like, that, like, like I that. said, I've never seen it, but I know it's about like a teen who goes into space and there's adventures and stuff. So Yeah. Have, yeah. Have you ever heard of the like the Legend of Polybius? Really quickly, the legend of this arcade game that the government put out to sort of test the general public to see if they had like reaction skills to no. make it in like yeah it was said to be some sort of like secret military test that they planted in arcades around the country but like the last starfighter is like kind of sort of like based off that idea where like this kid gets the high score at a arcade game and someone from space recruits him to like join a war <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> that's awesome i love that i definitely want to check that movie out and the other film i'm gonna choose for my triple feature is a film that 
uh, I remember seeing it in a childhood friend's house and thinking it was the dumbest movie I'd ever laid eyes on. I know Paul Rudd promotes this movie a lot. Oh. <laughs> it is called Mac and Me. So you're familiar with this one as well? Yep. Yeah. I know the <laughs> Mac and Me. Yep. It's like an E.T. knockoff, but it involves NASA and it involves space and such. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw Mac and Me in there. Yeah, that's a great one. I think there's two cuts of that, too. There's like a um, like a foreign cut. I mean, you've seen it, right? Have you you've seen Mac and Me? Like I have. But as so, a like, child. so like, OK, so like there's a version of that where the boy, I guess, gets shot and supposedly brought back to life like like an et i don't know i haven't seen that version but i've seen <laughs> clips i've seen clips where mac i guess mac is is mac no me i guess me uh get shot <laughs> wow i didn't know that happens it's a little intense for that movie if i remember it correctly <laughs> yeah it's sort of it's sort of like the raw cut of tammy and the t-rex you know how there's like that oh, yeah, yeah. there's like that grizzly version with like all the gore and violence and yeah so. we covered and it on a very clean cut the super clean cut too mike it's funny you bring that up because the director of mac and me is also the director of tammy and the t-rex so oh my god that makes I sense did not know. i totally I, forgot I, about that i swear like i had no idea <laughs> well mike this was awesome i hope we did enough work today. Well, I don't know enough work for the whole summer, but enough for this episode to little by little claw our way back to hopefully get on that fall cage club schedule. Space camp was a pleasure. Thank you for recommending it to me. Anything else you want to say? Anything you want to plug? I hope you have things to plug because we have projects together uh, before we get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Those are going to take precedence. So catch Brian and I on our new show, uncle Francis's wine cellar, where we are going through all of uncle Francis Ford Coppola's films cut by cut. He's done several versions of many of his movies. The man just, just keeps cutting away, keeps tinkering with his toys, uh, and we love him for it, too. But we've started that show off by watching The Offer on Paramount+, Plus, which is about the making of The Godfather. So a lot of Francis Ford Coppola going on there, as well as what it took behind the scenes to make that happen. So definitely check out that show. A bunch of episodes are out now. And then Brian is my... He's basically my co-host over on my show, uh, but I call him my unofficial co-host for Third Times a Charm, which is a show I do. It comes out the third of every month. It is about the third movie in a franchise, so part threes. If you're interested in threes, there's some great ones. There's some terrible ones. I've watched both. Um, <laughs> Come check that out. Uh, and then The Monsters That Made Us with Dan Cologne, the last Friday of every month, where we are going through the history of the Universal Monster movies one at a time. And every other show I'm on at cageclub.me, uh, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Love it, Mike. Always a pleasure to have you on High School Slumber Party, though it is your right now to be on any episode you want. I still, <laughs> still would invite you anyway, so don't worry about that. Thanks so much, and can't wait, can't wait to tackle the next assignment on your summer school list. I'll be there. Big thank you to Mike Manzi, as always, and today a special thank you for bringing us Space Camp. He is a superintendent, a well-earned title here, and he's helping us get to that hopeful point where we're on that fall schedule here at high school slumber party and the cage club podcast network want to thank cage club as always for supporting the show and being the network that we're a part of check it out at cageclub.me that's cageclub.me 
Also remember to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. It's summer, but it's summer school, as you know, so you have homework. Mike will actually be off for the next episode, but we will be talking a movie that I remember from my own childhood, a little bit before my high school, but something I definitely saw as a kid. The film is Pleasantville. There's a place where life is simple. People are perfect. And everything is black and white. Honey, I'm home. It's a place that's as far from reality as we can imagine. How about some marshmallow rice squares? Those are swell. But maybe it's a lot closer. Let me see that. Than we think. What happened? I'm not sure. I'm pasty. Morning, kids. Better get a move on or you'll be late for school. I put blueberries in them just the way you like. We're in Pleasantville? No! We're supposed to be in school. We're supposed to be in color? What's all the commotion? Who's that? I didn't think you'd want to come here until we'd been pinned for a little while. You can pin me anytime you want to. Or maybe I should just pin you. She's a fine young woman. She would never do anything for us to be concerned about. From the creator of Big and Dave. What are you doing to these people? You can't do this to them. You're messing with their whole universe. Maybe it needs to be messed with David. Comes a story about the loss of innocence. I brought you something from the library. Gee whiz. And the power of change. What's outside of Pleasantville? There's some places where the road keeps going. Cinema presents. Look at my face. It'll go away. I don't want it to go away. Something is happening to our town. Jeff Daniels, William H. Macy, Joan Allen, Reese Witherspoon, and Toby McGuire. So what's going to happen now? I don't know. Pleasantville. What are we going to do, Bob? Well, we're safe for now. Thank goodness we're in a bowling alley. That's going to be a fun one to talk about, and I'm bringing on two of my high school friends. They've been on before, Danny Kim and Chris Carroll. We'll all talk about it, and we'll all have a good time. So that's for next time. Watch Pleasantville and tune in right here. Same High School Slumber Party channel. We'll see about the time. And remember, one more thing. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with another song. On, I don't think it's on the soundtrack, but it's definitely in the film, Space Camp. And that is all the way from down under Australia, Dire Straits, with Walk of Life. Later, dudes.
you're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.